G'day everyone, welcome to the 13th episode. Huh? The 13th episode of the Mongrel Punt Podcast. I can't believe it. They said we'd never make it this far. And there were threats if we ever did get this far, but they'd come and kill us. <laughs> from me. Yeah, mainly from you. We're here with the lovely Mrs. Mongrel, as always. Purveyor of beautiful zucchini soup. The Now you like it. I like it. How many zucchinis did we buy at the shops? Every time I tell you, buy eight small zucchinis. And I bring back five yeah. large zucchinis. <laughs> <laughs> they don't sell them small at our shops. What can I do? We're coming to you right from the heart of Coronaville. In Melbourne. Seriously, we've got it all around us at the moment. It we're is surrounded by hot spots. Yeah, we're not in a hot spot, but it's like, you know, if you're part of an army and you've got a, a massive force all the way around you and you're stuck in the middle, that's us. We're not going to fire back. We're just sitting here waiting to die, basically. <laughs> Great. So we've got a big week at the Mongrel this week. For members, we've had our weekly power rankings for players. We've had our defensive rankings and wingman rankings all go out at the start of the week. When I say start of the week, it's probably... Before Wednesday, I try and get it done. Throughout the week. Yeah, throughout the <laughs> when week. When you can do it. Well, I've, we've got Mondays off now, so I tend to be yeah. uh, doing a fair bit of that. Although, when people book in physio appointments, it tends to uh, throw us out of whack. No Like no my back. No names. <laughs> <laughs> so we've covered every game so far this round. We've just finished watching The Lions and The Crows. Uh, I'll be on by myself a little bit later to add a bit more about the, the last two games. But we might as well jump into it pretty quick oh wait 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 um don't forget to become a member it's the lifeblood of our organization <laughs> and without you guys we're pretty pretty screwed our uh, very well thought out and planned organization yeah well you know we fly by the seat of our pants and if you've seen some of my pants oh look out there got the seat of them worn out basically my daughter pointed out to me went to the shops the other day and she pointed out, Dad, it's about time you bought some new shorts. I said, why? She goes, there's holes everywhere. There are. <laughs> I keep telling you and you're just like, they're fine. They're fine. They're fine. They're still holding together. I'm going to keep wearing them. Anyway, we've got a question here. Are the Bulldogs back? They had a big win over the Swans on, gee, all the way back on Thursday night now. They're uh, pretty impressive. I just want to know, what what has Bailey Smith added to this, to this unit at the, at the moment? He's plus five on last season. And it's his, his mongrel. You know, we're a big fan of mongrel here at the Mongrel Punt. Uh. Yeah, someone who's just a bit uh, down and dirty, doesn't mind mixing it up. The, what he adds to that midfield, it's not just the mullet, it's the way he goes about it. <laughs> Throwing his body in there, taking tackles on. So it's really difficult to do, like given your vast experience in football. Yep. And my minimal experience as well. You know nothing. Put them all together and we come up with a modicum of knowledge, I mm. suppose. Very hard to get the ball away when someone's wrapping their arms around you. And he's, I'm pretty sure he's still a teenager, and he's able to actually extract his arms out and hand pass the ball away successfully, time and time again. So he'll take on the tackler and actually win the win the contest for his team. You tried to do that to me once when we were at the Oval, and what I happened? just screamed and dropped to the ground in a ball. Oh, that wasn't the time I tore my calf muscle, was it? <laughs> I still blame you for that. Yeah, that's yeah. that's pretty fair. Actually. We were finished. We were sitting down and you decided to throw the ball away and say, oh, come and chase me. Come no, and chase me. No. I said, you can't catch me. Yeah, no way you worse. can catch me. Come and chase me. Come and chase me. You sound like <laughs> our daughter. <laughs> the pressure on the on the rebound, rebound defenders of the Swans was huge on Thursday night. The Bulldogs got back in numbers. Jordan Dawson and Jake Lloyd usually have a whole heap of time. They're unable to get any good looks coming out of halfback. 
I was a bit worried for Nick Blakey at the Swans. He looks like a player devoid of confidence at the moment. At one point, he had a mark on the lead, and he was being chased by your little man. Caleb Daniel. Caleb Daniel. I only have one little man. You are. Well, you, have, you had a rabbit, but uh, he was your <gasps> little man. beautiful, yeah. Yeah, well. He's a good boy. Yeah, well, he got on the wrong side of me, and guess <gasps> what happened? <laughs> You'd be dead so fast. Oh, my God. Anyway, he got spoiled by Caleb Daniel cleanly and fairly. And I'm thinking that he he looks like a, a guy that's a bit lost this year. Second-year player. I wonder if he's got a bit of second-year blues. Hasn't really come on. The only concern for the Bulldogs would be how Josh Bruce is fitting in four games into his Bulldogs career. He managed one goal from eight touches on Thursday night. But the thing he was brought in to do was take contested marks and take the heat off Aaron Norton. So far this year, Josh Bruce has taken two contested marks for the whole year. So half a mark a game, basically. I'm thinking they need to get a bit of a lift from him, especially with Norton out, injured himself on Thursday night. And they'll probably bring Josh Shackey in to re- replace him. Josh Shackey, it's a, not the best name in the world, but anyway. I like it. You lost, it's spelled S-C-H-A-C-H-E. Yeah. Shackey. Shackey. <laughs> Anyway, he was brought in from Brisbane at one stage to be their key forward. There was uh, you know, big designs on him to spearhead their forward line. What's happened, he's now been bumped down to the third third rung of the ladder. So if he was to able, able to come in and actually have an impact, it would make the Bulldogs a much, much better team. Last one on the Bulldogs, Tim English, the big blonde dude. He was beaten up by Brody Grundy in round one. I was really... I actually felt sorry for him in round one. I was thinking, geez, I wonder what this is doing to his frame of mind around playing football, coming in being absolutely destroyed by a bloke. The last two weeks, he's been the best ruckman on the ground. So he had 22 touches and a goal against Sam Naismith and Callum Sinclair from Sydney and basically got the better of them all over the whole game. So on Friday night, we saw the Pies and the Giants go at it. This turned into the Toby Green show. I was pretty happy to uh, sit back and watch this. Got a bit of love on Twitter for calling myself a Toby Green fan at one point. Um, he was he was brilliant. He had a matchup with Braden Maynard, who you said looks like... Uh, Maynard. Yeah, Maynard. Scott yeah, Pendleton. Looking. Scott yeah. Pendleton's uh, uh, not well-to-do cousin. cousin. Yeah. yeah. So if Pendleton was a... Uh, let's English say he lord. was an English lord. He'd be a stable hand. Yes. Yeah, but he'd have designs on the throne. He'd be trying to work his way up. <laughs> well, he everyone uses the throne, but he'd have his own Pendleton. So if you look at if you look at Maynard's stats, right, and this is sometimes why stats just don't work. It looks like he had a great game. He had twenty three touches for the game, ran at eighty three percent efficiency. Now normally you'd look at that sort of performance from half back and think, Wow, he got a heap of the ball, would have given the pies a heap of run, but when you realise that he was playing on Toby Green and Toby Green was the match winner, he was beaten hands down. So at one point, he had the best position on Green, kind of bumped him out of the way. Green jumped, took a mark against him, and he dropped Maynard in the process. And Maynard ended up on his stomach on the ground, actually looked up and applauded him. So it was almost like, shit, I can't believe he took that kind of mark. Did he really? Yeah. So oh, when, that's lovely. When you get beaten like that, there's not a lot you can do. Just acknowledge it. And, and he did. He didn't bang the ground, didn't swear and kick the kick the dirt or anything. Just kind of went, damn, got beat there. 
So I kind of liked seeing I that. I love that kind of attitude, actually. Maybe some of Lord Pendleton's uh, class is starting to rub off on him. Maybe. Maybe I've got it wrong. Maybe Maynard's the good one. <gasps> you saying Pendleton's a bum? Maybe. <laughs> Been saying it for years. <laughs> no, he's a good dude. P- Pendlebury, I liked it. like his style. <laughs> Sorry, Scott. <laughs> Another problem for Collingwood that kind of cropped up is that Steel Sidebottom, one of their best ball winners was absolutely whacked by Matt DeBoer. Sidebottom ended up with 12 touches for the night. He's average, you know, 20-something possessions, couldn't get near it. DeBoer was all over him. Sidebottom was sent forward, and whenever he drifted back into the middle, DeBoer just said, thanks, I'll pick this up again. You'd be hard-pressed not to give DeBoer a mention in the votes. I think I might have left him out in the mongrel votes. I might go back and change that. I'm a big fan of, of Taggers doing a great job. And it kind of brought back memories of the way Mark Hutchings from West Coast used to go to go to side bottom in the 2018 season and got him twice, including the grand final. In the grand final, he had 14 touches. On Friday night, he had 12. So DeBoer did a fantastic job in shutting him down. It was a big part in GWS win. The Howe injury. I showed you a picture of this before. Why did you show me that? What is wrong with you? Do you remember when you told me we should do more research? No, stop it. Someone said, else oh. told you that. <laughs> yeah, but you, you tell me often. That person told me the first time. So I thought, look, I'm going to talk about this. I need to show you a picture. I don't want to know how old people are. I don't want to see people's limbs bent in um, impossible, disgusting angles. Now, as bad as that injury was, not a lot of credit's been given to the other guy in the situation there, Jacob Hopper. So that was a ball in dispute. At a point of the game where the game's still very much alive. Actually, I was alive until the last siren that game. So Hopper's basically barreled in there, got hard and low, as hard as low as he possibly could get. Howe's gone hard too, and Hopper's just taken him out of it. Very unfortunate for Howe, and he was having a great season. But in the in the wake of Howe being hurt, no one mentioned how great Hopper was in that situation. So Howe was there rolling around, writhing in pain. Automatically, your focus goes on to, shit, poor bloke. But I was like, wow, look how hard Hopper went there. He really he really screwed up how. So a bit of credit for, for Hopper there. I'm sure he doesn't take pride in it. But if you're sitting in a review watching that, all your teammates are going to go, geez, look how hard Jacob Hopper went there. He you know, left nothing on the table. He went after that, after that footy. I will be thinking about that awful picture for a very long time. I I've just got want plenty to more that. for you. I don't, I don't get you to watch many things. I kind of go, oh, look, maybe, you know, you might be... I showed you Charlie Cameron's mark before. That was lovely, right? I don't really get it when a mark is great. So They're when someone jumps up, on someone's that's head... That's excellent. I know. That's, it, it just doesn't... Considering you or I could barely jump over a piece of paper at the moment... You know what? Sometimes at the gym they get me to do these little box jumps and they're tiny and I can't really do it. <laughs> it's like basically jumping up the equivalent of one step... The amount of times I go to step over like a block or something here <laughs> and get the bottom of my foot caught on it and almost fall over, I'm like, wow, it gives me a, a greater appreciation of marks like that. There was some talk about Zach Williams being courted by North Melbourne. Now, Zach Williams, good player, been playing off half back for a few years, I think, for GWS. As good as he is, I reckon he's one of the players that they could afford to lose. So he's out of contract into this year. North Melbourne have got money in the bank. They're looking for a decent player. They're looking for a good player. They've gone after Josh Kelly, Dustin Martin, Jordan Dugowie. They ended up getting 
Jared Polek. They lost out on Andrew Gaff. They're looking for someone. And Zach Williams might be their man. They're going to be able to pay him more than GWS will. So if I was in their shoes, I'd be looking at throwing the world at him. I'm not sure GWS are going to get the same value out of him that North Melbourne would. So I'd be tempted to let him go. One more thing I want to touch on was the work of Shane Mumford on Brodie Grundy. Stats don't tell the story in this one either. Grundy had 47 hitouts to 17, but had just two clearances for the game. So what Mumford was doing was bodying up on him, getting really, really close, and therefore Grundy's follow-up work, which is usually so strong, was encumbered because you had this gigantic bloke with... Mumford's got a barrel chest out. like His chest arrives about three seconds before he does. <laughs> so when he's leaning on you and bumping into you, knocks you off your balance, you can't really control yourself, <laughs> much like you. <laughs> so Mumford... We'll probably go unheralded for his game, but he was fantastic on Grundy. And Josh Kelly played his best game for the season as well. He played on the wing, looked much more comfortable out there than weeks before, and uh, gave him a lot of drive. Mumford and Grundy sounds like a Brunswick cafe. Oh, it sounds like the sort of band that you would like. <laughs> and for a lot of the that times they both have beards. <laughs> yeah, one true. man, one beard, one guitar. Done. Yeah, that's about it. And we've played that CD of... Iron and wine, I don't know how many times. Oh, Our winters keep <laughs> running us down. <laughs> you always manage to ruin it. Yeah, and I will keep doing it. So we'll move on to the Power and the Eagles. Two big stories out of this. Are the Power with a real deal this year? They're 4-0. They're playing away from home. They're up in Gold Coast, the same place as the Eagles are. And the, it looks like the Eagles may have thrown in the hub towel. How could they do this to me? Uh, we're talking about your tipping, right? Far out. So you're tipping this week. I'm furious. I'm furious. It was a tipping virgin prior to this season and is now learning. This is worse than dating. Tipping. Easily it's worse than dating. Easily. Yeah, the, I mean, there's a chance of a happy ending in dating. <laughs> <laughs> in tipping. Wow, this has just been a disastrous season. <laughs> what a baptism of fire for you. So Porter got this bloke called Charlie Dixon and he's always been the sort of player that threatens to do a hell of a lot and then really doesn't. He looks intimidating, looks like a lumberjack. So he's got the big beard, looks like someone who'd be in a band or basically be the one-man band that you like. (laughs) If he was down the pub, sitting there with his guitar, he'd be like, oh, look at Charlie Dixon. (laughs) That's how I fangirl, is it? Yeah. Where's that guy from? Iron and Wine? What, what state is he from? I don't know. Somewhere in the US. Great work. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a huge fan. Somewhere in the US. So we've got a 150 <laughs> shot. I'm guessing it's not Hawaii or Alaska. <laughs> you Could never be know. Alaska. So he, actually, he played on Tom Barris, or Tom Barris played on him. Tom Barris had 18 one percenters in this game, which is basically going up and killing the contest. So one percenters are made up largely of spoils. And if you looked at that, you'd think, wow, Barris really got to a lot of contests, he affected him, and he did, except every time he was stuck one-on-one with Charlie Dixon, Dixon won. He monstered him in the goal square a couple of times, he ended up with five or six contested marks, whatever he ended up with, he should have had one more, because one wasn't paid on the line, where he obviously took it. What I want to know is, where was the help for Tom Barris? If you want to look at something that's wrong with West Coast at the moment, there's a lot of players playing for themselves not with themselves, for themselves. I'd watch that. Yeah, well, ratings would probably go up. (laughs) 
<laughs> they'd go really well in the wet. <laughs> so, yeah, so I just topped myself there. Um, so you got players back there like Hearn and Shepard and Cole and Duggan. Where was the guy dropping in the hole in front of Charlie Dixon and just making life difficult for him? A lot of times he was getting clean runs at the ball, running and jumping, catching it at its highest point, and there was nobody standing underneath him, no one coming in from the side. It was basically Tom Barris left to his own devices. And if you want to... That, that's one of the real reasons I look at West Coast as falling down this year. There's people not working for each other, and there's plenty of them just worrying about their man going into survival mode. I think uh, if they're looking at going home and making everything all right once they get home, there might be a real problem here, because just going home doesn't fix it. There's problems with that team at the moment that that are being exposed... They've got Richmond next Thursday night, and it's on the Gold Coast. It's going to be dewy. It's going to be wet. Richmond, not that they're traveling great. We'll get to them in a sec. But they're going to be going, hey, this is our sort of game. West Coast, they've basically gone into this situation at the Gold Coast pretty negative right from the outset, and it's it's really come back to bite them. For Port, Zach Butters really loved what he offered. I suppose he's really building his stature now. He was behind Xavier Dersma last year and Connor Rosie in that young bloke's rotation, but he's got a bit of bit of cheek about him. I reckon you'd like him. Hmm. Yeah, he goes up to the more senior players and gives him a bit of mouthful, gives him a mouthful, and yeah, I do a, like that. Yeah, I find that funny. Gives him a bit yeah. of lip. Yeah, to the point where one of them headbutted him. That's amazing. <laughs> so, I love it. Oh, yeah, it was that. Oh, was that? Mm. Oh, that was great. So I'm pretty sure he's like 19ish. And he's out there giving a mouthful to a guy who's 30, and the guy who's 30, Will, Will Schofield's probably like, piss off, buddy, you know, just got in this league. Did he somehow just unnerve him? And the West Coast guys give him a quick headbutt, uh, free kick. After a goal had been scored, they got another shot at goal. Now, he did miss it, but uh, yeah, kind of got under their skin. I'm looking at him thinking, he might end up being one of those players that everybody loves to hate, and I'm pretty sure he'd be all right with that. He just looks like he enjoys a bit of the, the push and shove and a bit of the lip, so one to really keep an eye on. If there's a positive, I suppose, for West Coast, it'd be that Josh Kennedy started kicking goals. Um, I reckon he was one week away from being told to have a rest with him with some soreness or, you know, being managed and just getting him out of there. The downside was that whilst he kicked goals, Jack Darling was bloody useless. He was like a statue out there at some points, and kind of got jumped on by teammates and held his own, but he, he, he was just really ineffective for the whole game. Uh, got called out online about me saying Scott Lysette got the better of Nick Natanui. And I, I get the points. Natanui did play pretty well when you consider stats side by side. However, my expectations of Natanui are that he does play well every week. My, my expectations of Scott Lysette are that he'll play okay, and maybe he'll have a good game here and there. So when he comes out and he matches Natanui on the ground, not in the ruck, because very few can actually jump up and contend with him, but on the ground, if he tackles hard and he gets clearances, and he works as hard as Natanui on the ground, I consider that a win for Scott Lysette. I think he had just as much impact on the contest as Natanui. Moving on. Shall we move on? I was a bit silent there and kind of vacant because I couldn't get over how annoyed I am that they lost. That's all I have to say. Pretty pissed off. Well, you don't even barrack for West Coast, so I reckon. Uh, I don't think I don't even know who I barrack for. To be honest, all over the shop. 
So the Saints upset the Tigers. Yes. You called this really early in the piece. <laughs> Although you didn't tip them, did I you? I didn't tip them, no. No, no, no. But you just called it when you saw what was happening in the first quarter. And I told you why I didn't tip them. No, you didn't, did you? Why? I'm pretty sure that a couple of the cake shops in Ackland Street have closed down because someone was saying there's only one there. And then you pointed out that maybe there was only ever one cake shop. And I just walked past it a lot of times, which is possible. It always comes back to cake, doesn't it? <laughs> what did you make yesterday? Banana cake. Yeah, and chocolate brownies. (laughs) Yep, I'm not complaining. Just (laughs) let me put that out there quickly. So the Saints upset the Tigers. The Tigers got a goal inside the first 14 seconds of the game. And from then on, it looked like the Saints were just on. So they've got a guy named Dan Butler, who was let go from Richmond end of the year last year. Kicked three goals. He's probably been the best of their recruits to this point. Not that the others have been terrible at all. Zach Jones had a ripping game. But for cons- not not this week he didn't have a ripping game, but a couple of weeks ago he was best on. Butler has been consistently good for this team, and it looks like he's relishing the opportunity to be a small forward and be a bit more free and easy in this style. I think with Richmond, their pressure style mean you had to play a certain way, and maybe it cost you opportunities here and there. But Butler looks like he slotted into this St Kilda team, and he's having a, a freaking wonderful time playing there. One of the best small forwards of the season. Might even you know, give him a couple more games like this. People may start talking about him in all Australian terms, which nobody saw coming at all. Dusty was a little bit rusty. Oh, sorry, I stole that from Nick Sluggett. The Slugger reckons he checked out a little in this game. 18 touches, ran at 56% only. And you know, Dusty, when he's up and about, unbelievable player. But sometimes he kind of looks at games as though they're... Eh, um, too good for this shit. So he uh, puts the gun in the holster, and he might have done that again yesterday. Kane Lambert, 11 touches. Is his form a concern? Sydney Stack has started to look fumbly and a bit bit unco, which is the complete opposite of what he what he looked like last year when he just looked like a revelation. Even Nick Vlastuin starting to make errors for the Tigers, and he's usually as solid as a rock back there. And I suppose one of our friends, uh, Johnny, who listens to this, texted me after the game and said, we were better. If we win next week, we'll win the flag. So they've got West Coast next week. It's pretty. It's a pretty good guess, I think, to say if whoever loses this game is going to really struggle to make the top four. I don't count Richmond out in any way, shape, or form. They started poorly last year as well. I think they were around about 50% wins at the halfway point. Then they went on a massive win streak in the second half of the year. They're capable of jumping back straight up, straight back up the ladder with a series of wins. West Coast, yeah, I think they might be in trouble if they lose this one. So we'll be back here next week to see uh, just who we pay out on, I suppose, because one of those teams is going to be in big trouble after round five. So the Gold Coast Suns win again, third in a row. They're uh, surprising everyone. It must be said, this time last year, after four rounds, they were 3-1. and one. It's a little bit different this year, though. You look at the way they're playing last year, they were basically this team that went defensive, they tried to lock everything down. They were trying to be very, very watertight in defence. I have to say that, no, the Tigers aren't going to make the grand final. I'm sorry. And neither is West Coast. Because I'm ready to put in my finals prediction. Did you just cut me off on the Suns there just to go sh- straight back to 
This is this is really important. All right. It's going to be the Saints and the Suns. The Saints and the Suns. You you wanted this last year. This is all I want out of football. Now, all I want is St Kilda versus the Suns. Well, they'll play each other at some point. No, 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 no. In the grand final. And I want to hear the weeping of every other team's fans. <laughs> you get to hear that basically week it's to week true. at the moment. But you wanted this last year. I did. Because you, you kind of dig the fact that Stewie Jew was a, a little bit of a portly fellow. And that people would like throw lollies at him in the in the box and he'd eat them. <laughs> he just ate it. The man is just... He's unhinged. That was fantastic. But... He also looks to have dropped a little bit of weight. That's all right. Yeah, he's uh, he's knuckling down. You know, he can't be telling the team and preaching fitness to the team while he's there, there with you know, a couple of Mars bars in his pocket. You know what? It doesn't matter. I lose weight, gain weight, but inside there's always the cake-eating, just kind of grub monster that I am. I wish I had and a I couple of Mars Stuart... bars in my pocket. <laughs> I feel like Stuart Jew is the same. Now, you like the Saints. Mm-hmm. Because of Alan Richardson, who's not no longer there. Yeah, I liked him. Because he'd go on AFL he so 360. He just yeah. <laughs> he'd look like he'd, he'd be about to burst into tears he every really depressed every like, week, just like he was having a hard time. And I felt he was, and he got sacked. Yeah, who's the coach now? I don't even know. I've never seen. He's him. got a wonderful name. Does he? Yeah, fantastic name. His name's Brett Ratten. Oh God! Now the surname I, I can I can take or leave, but the first name very sexy. Yes. Sure are something, aren't you? <laughs> anyway, back to the Suns. They recruited Brandon Ellis from Richmond in the offseason. He had a ripping game for him. Uh, ran hard, tackled hard. Matt Rowell, the Red Bull, the Red Hulk, whatever you want to call him. People were saying, as part of our mongrel team, he was best on again in this game. So that would be the third straight game. Well, put it this way, he'd be in the top three for three straight games. Whether he's best or not, I suppose that's to be determined. People were talking about him wading through Nat Fife's tackle. Go and laugh. <laughs> I wasn't paying attention. Yeah, that's I could great. Tell. The fact he went looking at me and staring out the window kind of gave it away. So people were talking about him how easily he broke Nat Nat, Fife, Nat Fife's attempted tackle, but I kind of prefer the way he was in the top three tacklers himself on the ground yet again. So it's the hard work that's going to hold this bloke in good stead. The numbers are impressive. Yeah, yeah, we get it and stuff, but. The way he applies himself when he doesn't have the footy, that's the standard that Gold Coast are now being held to. So he's working just as hard without the footy as he does with it. But I tell you what, two goals a game over the last three games from a midfielder, that's nothing to be sneezed at. You look at the Suns' names that are coming up, are bobbing up. Ben Ainsworth kicked a couple of goals again. Sam Collins, used to be a Fremantle player, was delisted. He's now re-establishing himself as one of the best defenders in the league in terms of locking down one-on-one. you got Jared Witt starting to oppose, impose himself on the contest. This guy last year became the fourth man in history to have a, hundred, a thousand hitouts in the season. And I thought he was pretty shit in the ruck for most of it. So he'd basically go up and just tap the ball down to his feet. He'd be hoping that, some, that one of his players would run onto it and he'd create a 50-50. At the moment, he's bustling around. He's taking the ball out of the ruck from him. You know, by himself, he's going forward, he's all over the place. He's actually playing like an AFL captain now. It's like he realizes, hey, we've got a red hot chance here and we're gonna be we're gonna be in this. No Is longer he the just captain? he's there's two captains at Gold Coast. Oh so for goodness sake. Well it's a very hard choice. Jared Witz, he was one he was at Collingwood at one point, went to Gold Coast, one of the few to go up there and actually 
really saying, I want to be here. I want to be part of this team. The other's David Swallow. I'm sure you're going to get us. You, you I'm not even me. going to because I'm so disgusted by the fact that they couldn't actually make a choice, so they made co-captains. So last year at Port Adelaide, for the first time in their history, like 150 years, they named two captains. And now this year, because one of their captains had such a shitty year and, well, he's, I suppose his behaviour and attitude weren't great, they've gone back to one. So for one year, for the sake of accommodating one person, they basically did away with the tradition of 150 years. Dumb, dumb, dumb. But this year they're winning, so what can you do? For Frio, they had, uh, they had Nat Fife out there. He had Hugh Greenwood to contend with for most of the stoppages. Only had about 11 touches and then hurt his hamstring. So he'll be out for, you think, a couple of weeks at least. And going into their game against Adelaide, this was their actual chance to really ram home an advantage and play a team that isn't playing all that well. And now they're without their captain. So Fremantle all of a sudden have gone from being a team that's been competitive, looked okay, and have had, I suppose, what you'd term honourable losses... And now Adelaide would be eyeing them off going like, we can get these blokes. Finally for the Suns, where the hell is Isaac Rankine? You never heard of him, have you? Yeah, you, you, when we do the stats. No, 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 you'd never hear of him because he hasn't played yet. Oh, really? So you're thinking of a different Isaac Rankine. There are a few Isaacs. <laughs> you're thinking of Isaac Smith, probably. Is there an Isaac Heaney? Yes, there is. Well done. There you go. Look That's you. who I'm thinking of. I know. I'm quite proud of that then. <laughs> So he was taking, taken, I think, you know, very high pick in 2018. He's still yet to debut for that club. Just keeps running into little niggling injuries and stuff and can't get on the park. Jumping over to the Blues and the Bombers, Carlton hung on by a point. Essendon had a shot with about five seconds to go from 50 metres out and a drop short. And it uh, whacked someone in the head as it went through. <laughs> For a point. <laughs> Did it really? Yeah, it was deflected. Aww. When you look at the vision, it actually looks as though it doesn't touch anyone and just belts straight into a guy's head. But the reason it belted into his head is it came off someone else's hand, so it tra- changed the trajectory. And it hit the guy in the head and went through for a point. So that could have cost them the game. You can't blame Jacob Townsend, who missed the goal, though. It, it's not his fault. He gave it all he had. Kick from 50. You know who I do blame? They have current coach John Worsfold and have a coach in waiting named Ben Run, right? So this, this is a, a succession plan. So Worsfold's being phased out, Rutten is being phased in. Now between the two of them, they didn't notice this guy for Carlton playing in the back line called Sam Doherty. Now Sam Doherty went back there, sat in their, in their defensive 50 by himself for like 95% of the game. No one went near him. It was like he stinks. They're like, oh, let's get away from this guy. He stinks. Don't go near him. <laughs> Sam Doherty did whatever he wanted back there. Cleaned up the footy. You know, interfered with people. <laughs> 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 I knew that was bad as I said it. But, you know, he went up and basically helped out teammates in the air. Would pick up the wanted. loose, but whatever he wanted. And he did it unencumbered. So there was nobody basically hanging off him. No one making him accountable. So at halftime, he had 17 touches of the footy. He was going at 81%. And at full time, he had 32 32 touches at 91%. So two of his kicks for the whole game didn't hit the target. Okay, there's something I don't understand about football, which is probably (laughs) 
quite a few things now that I think about it. But this is the main one. This is the most current thing. I don't understand. Does every player have a player from the opposite team that they're supposed to be near? In theory, yes. So everybody has a position on the ground, and you have an opposing number on that ground. Okay, but are they are they meant to be like following their buddy around? So if you're a defender, yeah, you would think it'd be prudent for you to follow your man around. Otherwise, he's going to get by himself. So, what is what is Sam Doherty? So Doherty has a man at the start of the game. Yeah, and then he just goes, "Screw this! I'm going to be loose." So his man doesn't make him accountable. So what? So the other guy just stayed in the kind of area he was meant to stay in as that player. Whereas Sam Doherty just went, I'm off. Yeah, and his team will cover for him. His team will go, okay, we'll zone in a certain way so that you can go and do whatever you want and we'll cover for you. Now, what that other player what that other player should do is put himself in a dangerous situation or a dangerous position or stay on Doherty. I don't know why no one was given the job of running to Doherty, staying right beside him and making him earn every kick he got. Now, he's been back for four games now after two years out with two knee reconstructions so he hasn't played since 2017 he's come back in in our defensive rankings given something away here that I probably shouldn't because it's for members but I'm feeling pretty generous I'm speculating that by the end of this round he'll be the number one ranked defender in the competition by a heap but by a by a massive distance he's basically doing as he pleases back there he's running at a really high percentage and I can't believe that Worsfold and Rutten didn't do anything to impede him at all. This game was decided by a, what, a kick? Surely slowing him down is worth a goal over the course of a game. So pretty poor effort from those guys. As with every succession plan. Doesn't the, work? The older oh. person's checked out and the younger person's like, this isn't my problem yet. Yeah. <laughs> he can wash his hands of it at the moment. Go, hey, there's the guy before me. <laughs> I want to give a quick shout out to a guy called Ed Kernow. Because this is Charlie Curnow's brother, mm. right? So Ed Curnow, much less heralded, he was sent to Essendon's Zach Merritt at the start of the last quarter. Now, Merritt had, had 17 touches at that point. It was really dangerous looking in the first quarter. It kind of, kind of ambled along, but had the potential to go and really make a difference in the last quarter. Curnow went to him, held him to zero touches for the quarter. I think Merritt had one tackle for the quarter, I'm not sure how many agencies are going to report on this as a big deal, but in the last quarter, no one was better than Ed Kerner. Not one player could put his hand up and say, I had a better better quarter than Ed Kerner. And he was he was probably one of the reasons that, that Carlton managed to get over the line. He shut down Zach Merritt to the point where he was completely ineffective. So hats off to Ed Kerner. He was fantastic. Speaking of Zach Merritt, remember he punched Jack Silvani in the ribs? Is that that guy? Yeah. So that happened in the first minute or so of the game, I think. How can you do that? Joe must be so worried. What about Steve? She's a national treasure. Well, she's got a good set of teeth on her. She's got a real set of jumpers. She has. Anyway, I can't believe this guy just gave the little fella a bit of a tap in the back and he just went down like (laughs) Like he'd been shot. So he kind of limped off. I thought, oh, maybe he's twisted something or he's hurt. No, it was just a shot in the ribs. Now... What happened to him? Like, what's, well, what's actually I haven't happened? actually heard yet, but it, that sort of thing looks like... I thought he might have got him in the kidney initially. That's what... Yeah, that's but what But when you, you slow it down, it looks like he did get him in the ribs, and then it's kind of s- s- um, slipped down a little bit. So it's ended up around the, the midriff. 
But the first impact is around the ribs. I reckon you might have cracked the rib. It just looked so innocuous. It looked like when our daughter kind of punches you, and she's three. Mate, I'm pretty sore from that. <laughs> I don't let on, but... Uh, You're I, stoic about I'm it. I'm not sure I can keep going today. <laughs> <laughs> we might jump to the game we just watched. Uh, basically, the, the Crows were really poor in the first half. The Lions jumped them. The game was pretty much over at halftime until the Crows had a bit of a bit of a renaissance in the third quarter. They kicked four goals to nothing. And all of a sudden, it was game on again then. They put uh, Ben Keyes on Lockie Neal, who held him to one touch in the first quarter. And Lockie Neal proceeded to have 31 over the next three quarters. So that, that tag was effective for a quarter, and that's about it. Looked like uh, the Wings were having a having a ball out there for the for the Lions. Robinson and McLuggage were running rampant in the first quarter. They were uh, running forward, running back. Robinson was probably best on the ground in the first quarter. But when we looked at at the end of the game, you got the Lions who who seemingly their mids love to run forward. They just love to get on their bike and get forward. You had McLuggage kick one goal five. Lockie Neal kicked zero goals five for the game. And Robinson had a miss as well. So between those three players, they kicked one goal 11. Had they been accurate, this would have been an absolute slaughter. So Lockie Neal, he he looked like he was desperate to kick a goal in the last quarter. He's going from his left foot to his right foot, trying to get a snap at goal. Missed again. McLuggage, he could have been far and away the best player on the ground in this this competition. But uh, yeah, one goal five pretty wasteful big highlight though was Charlie Cameron finally taking a screamer I mean I say finally not him personally but in terms of the competition we've gone four rounds and there's been no real big marks this year a couple of decent ones but this is the the pick of the pick of the crop at the moment so Charlie Cameron looked really dangerous I know you like Charlie I do yeah but uh (laughs) You're not too sure what constitutes a good mark. No, I've actually realised I don't at all. Don't so, I? Mrs. Mungrel. Yeah. I'm thinking I might ask you a question without notice here. Uh, oh, look at her eyes bug out. <laughs> I'm still thinking about what makes a good mark and if I would be impressed by any mark, and I don't know that I would. Given that uh, you are barracking for a Suns and Saints finale to the year, yeah. who would win? Oh, God. No, he's not playing. <laughs> he plays in Geelong. Who would you pick? Look, I really, really, really want Stuart Jew to get a win and then to have to make a speech. That's what I want. <laughs> he can't talk, he's got his mouth full. It's, I just, there's something about him as a coach that makes me go, you know what? I'd listen to you. I'd think this is going nowhere, but I'd listen to you. I've got to show you his five minutes of brilliance from the 2008 grand final where he came out of retirement to play for Hawthorne and was... A chunky guy then, like, but solid, really solid through the shoulders and the hips. What's my saying? Strong in the hips. Strong through the hips. And he basically just plays a five-minute period that rips the game away from Geelong and puts Hawthorne on the path to win it. So he came back, played that year. He was gone again, got himself a premiership, and now he's up at the Suns. And I have to admit, because of that, I've got a very soft spot for Stuart Jew as well. <laughs> well, it's, it's a thing. You either follow the plan... Or you follow the leader. And I'm a bit... I hate the plan. I don't care about the plan. No one cares about I'll the plan. i follow the leader. Yeah. And I like him. There's something about him that just makes me go, yeah, he'd... he'd... I'd like to go to his place for dinner. <laughs> I don't think he'd go hungry. <laughs> so, for seventh course... <laughs> you're Do awful. some jelly babies. You 
can't talk. <laughs> you won't let me eat jelly babies. So that'll do us for this week. And we'll be back. Thank you, Mrs. Mungrel. So we're jumping back on here after the Geelong and Melbourne game and Hawthorne North Melbourne games. A little bit past Mrs. Mungrel's bedtime. She's looking a bit looking a bit weary. Say it. Oh, okay. You know, fading quickly. Careful there. Yeah. <laughs> Always am. Just quick rundown of the Geelong Melbourne game. It was an absolute shocking game. It was a wet weather game of football. Unfortunately, there was no rain. It was just played like it was wet weather. Skills were poor. Conservative footy. Geelong lost their well, one of their best backmen, their two-time All-Australian halfback, in like a show of strength, bumping into one of the Melbourne <laughs> Melbourne players. Now, Tom McDonald's had a couple of... Well, he's had a year that... The past 12 months it has been pretty poor for him. He had a great year in 2018, as did most of Melbourne. And then he kind of trotted out last year without his running mate, Jesse Hogan. And he really screwed the pooch last year. He was hopeless. So he's come out this year, he hasn't done great, but what he has done is put one of Geelong's best defenders on the shelf. So that was ridiculous the way that happened, just bumping into each other, they just walked off, held his collarbone, and that was it, That terrifies me, because I bump into walls that hard. But you don't look where you're going. That's true, but you know... Well, he bumps into someone and then bang, he shatters. <laughs> this guy actually does sound a bit like us, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, this game, I thought, come, came down to the wingmen and who played the best along there. You had Geelong, they had Menegola and Guthrie. They were both fantastic. And on the other on the other team, you had Tomlinson and Langdon. Now, Tomlinson and Langdon were recruited specifically to provide run, but they were beaten today and they just weren't as clean as the other two. Blitzarves was good. Parfit had nine tackles again. He's actually really improved that part of his game. While for Melbourne, Stephen May, I thought was really, really good in defense. Killed a heap of contests. And Jack Viney, as always, hard at the footy. Clayton Oliver, probably about a middling game for him, but uh, didn't do a hell of a lot wrong. Jump forward to the game we just watched, North Melbourne. And halfway through the last quarter, I was thinking, wow, Hawthorne are going to get a nice, comfortable win here. They're going to win by about 40, 45 points. Cruise to victory. They controlled the first half of the last quarter. Then out of nowhere, North Melbourne just went bang, 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 bang. Like they were knocking on the door. Bang, bang, bang. Like that. Knock, knock. Yeah. But they <laughs> they didn't knock. They just kicked it down. <laughs> and Hawthorne was standing there saying, please don't hurt me. So they had a shot in the last 30 seconds to win it. 20 seconds. A Jai Simkin snap around the corner, missed, would have given the lead, and Hawthorne looked like they were in no position to come back and get anywhere near him at that point. I suppose, looking at the ruck there, Jonathan Segler, I think he gave away five free kicks to Todd Goldstein. He, he, He's just not a top-tier ruckman, and when you got Ben McAvoy stuck in the back line playing on Ben Brown, did a great job, by the way. Ben Brown hardly touched it. Then again, neither did McAvoy. When you got him back there, I'm wondering why Hawthorne don't throw him in the ruck just here and there. We've got a pretty solid we. I say we. Oop, bias. <laughs> They've got a pretty solid defense, and they could probably cover, I think, for, for McAvoy if they needed him in the middle. Mitchell, really good for the first half. I think he had six clearances at halftime and really inserted himself back into the contest in the last probably two minutes, I think. He was really good in and under. Chad Wingard looked very dangerous again. His third three-goal haul of the season. They put Liam Shields on Jared Polek at the start of the game, which was really interesting because I've rated what Polek can do for North Melbourne, and he was huge in the last quarter. He got a heap of the ball. 
both him and Taryn Thomas, who a couple of our readers have pointed out to me that I haven't given enough credit. I think Taryn Thomas will be a fantastic player. I think he will be a star, but he's not at that level yet, and he's probably a level or two behind his draft classmates from last year. Really good in moments, was brilliant for the last five minutes today, but just needs to needs to do that more often. So he went missing for quite a while as well. Cunnington out again. You'd be very disappointed to hear Cunnington wasn't playing. He's my favourite. He's your favourite. Bit of a naughty sounding name gets gets him over the line. <laughs> yeah. If you look at Ben Brown and Cam Zerha, these are the two North forwards that they were relying mostly on today. At the start of the last quarter, they'd had I think three or four touches between them for the game, and that was. There's just nowhere near it. They both kicked a goal in the last quarter each, which, you know, they contributed, but it was a little bit too little too late. They really miss a bloke named Nick Larkey, who's young, presents well, <laughs> and um, <laughs> can take a good You're mark. as bad as me. Kicked five goals twice last year. So did Kem Zerha, but they're missing Nick Larkey across half forward because for the first three and a half quarters, they fell down really, really badly there. Pretty tough game, this one. Lots of tackling, lots of uh, aggression at the ball. No real ill will, but yeah, if you like good hard footy, this is a good game. If you like skillful footy where it's free-flowing and uh, a lot of stuff happens, probably give either of these games a miss today. So guys, we'd like to uh, invite you to join us for our, um, our rankings coming up in the next couple of days. So we'll have our power rankings, our wingman rankings, and... What's the other one? Our defensive rankings. Too much. What are you? Too many rankings. Plus, we'll rate who's the hottest. Hey, hey, Mrs. Mungle's going to jump on there, (laughs) hoping for a few jumpers to be torn off in the process. It's her favourite part of football. It is my favourite part of football. Only because no one ever gets their pants pulled off. That's true. Once that guy did get his pants pulled down, that guy, and I just yelled. I just like, hey, I got your attention. Yeah, got you to look. For once, I wasn't watching the football, and Mrs. (laughs) Mungle got very excited because someone's pants went missing. Before we go, I'll tell you a story. I used to go to work at a, at a place where we had a like a holiday program. I took took them to uh, <laughs> took them to ice skating, and one of the kids is like, "Oh, I need to go to the toilet." So we sent him into the toilet. Yeah, he had ice skates on and stuff, and a bit awkward for the young fella. And about five minutes later, he comes back out of the toilet, just in his underwear. <laughs> and I said to him, um, "Mate, where's your pants?" And he goes, "I don't know. I've lost them." <laughs> I'm like. <laughs> how, do you, how do you lose your pants in the... Uh-oh. Um, so I had a bit of a chat with his mum about that. She wasn't real impressed that I'd somehow managed to allow her child to lose his pants <laughs> while he was uh, while he was under my jurisdiction. So uh, I thought I'd better get out of that line of work. And uh, 30 years later, I'm still in it. <laughs> Screw off, guys. I'm still there. No kids are losing their pants around me anymore. I hope. <laughs> All right, we might leave it there. We'll be back next week with a review of round five. Should be really good. West Coast and Richmond, uh, season defining perhaps. Thanks, guys. Take care.